This song has been our intro for this series over the last several weeks, Tear Off the Roof, Lower Me Down. We're talking in this series, it's in the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, and we're looking over 10 weeks, we're looking at 10 chapters, and we're looking at all the miracles that Jesus did in these 10 chapters, and in chapter 2, it's the story that uh, Jeremy even alluded to, They, they tore the roof off, dropped a guy at Jesus' feet. For us to be in a place of miracles, and for us to bring people to a place of miracles, today we are in Mark chapter 4. So if you join me, it'll be on the screens. I'm going to read out of Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. It says, On the same day, when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, Before we even get into the story, whose idea was it to cross over? It was Jesus' idea. Jesus had been teaching out of this boat, hanging out in multitude. You're going to see there's a multitude there. And he'd been teaching. And then he says, hey, guys, it was evening. So they're taking a sunset sail, right? They're going across into the lake. Jesus' idea. Let's cross over to the other side. Verse 36. Now, when they had left the multitude... They took him along in the boat as he was. I don't know why they put that in there, but I love it. They took Jesus as he was. Other little boats were also with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. For those of you not familiar with nautical terminology, the stern is the back of the boat. So he was in the back of the boat, sound asleep. Other nautical tidbit, it's always rougher in the back of the boat than at the bow of the boat. And that's where he was. He was in the roughest part of the boat, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and they said to him, teacher, they probably said it louder than I'm saying it right now. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, he rebuked the wind, he said to the sea, this famous three words that many of us know, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Oftentimes, when we're reading the Bible, when we're listening to a preacher on the internet, or you're coming to church, or you're doing a Bible study, a lot of the times we hear this as a goal. We hear, I'm looking for application. I'm looking for taking the scripture, thousands of years old, writings, taking them, I'm looking for the way that they can apply to me. I'm looking for how this ancient book can be lifted, some truth, some facet, some concept, lifted off the page and land in my 2024 lap. Is that not true? We're looking for a way to read the scripture. We're not reading the Bible so we can win on Jeopardy, right? Or Trivial Pursuit. We're reading the Bible so that something lifts off the page and comes to us And this miracle story out of Mark 4 could be one of the best opportunities we have 
definitely in this series, for application. And this happens late in the chapter. If you're looking at a Bible or you scrolled through your phone, you will see that verse 41, the last verse we just that's it. That's the, end of the, that's the end of the chapter. So you're reading 34 verses of all kinds of other things happening and Jesus teaching and interactions and tucked in, because there's a miracle in every one of those chapters, the first 10. Tucked in there, finally, just barely, just got it in, the miracle of calming the wind and the wave. Can you get your head around how this was affecting those guys? We're making the assumption that maybe all the disciples were in the boat. We don't know. But we're making this assumption that all the disciples were in the boat. Several of those disciples made their living on the water. Wouldn't have been new to them. But Jesus asks them to go across this lake. No necessary destination, nothing really mentioned. We're just taking a sail. In the midst of that, Scripture tells us that there was a great windstorm that arose. When I was in the Navy, I was on destroyers. A destroyer is 450 feet long. I was on a battleship. It's 900 feet long, 888. I was on an aircraft carrier. It's 1,024 feet long. So a carrier is is 1,000 feet long, and I was on a 450-foot destroyer. You feel it a lot more in the 450-foot boat than you do in the 1,000-foot boat for sure. And so I was able to serve on this destroyer, guided missile destroyer. And I got to join it in Rota, Spain. I flew over and it was already underway on its deployment. And I got to fly over there and and wait up a little bit and join them. They had just come from the North Sea. They had just come from the North Atlantic. And I was able to get on the bow, on the deck, and see steel girders. Steel guardrails that were just twisted like a pretzel, that were just bent. There were gears and chain for the anchor, which was in the forward part of the boat. And those were just bent and dented. Like you just like somebody just took and just boom, just hit, just bent it. I asked, how did that happen? Anybody want to tell me? The wave. A wave hit that four-inch steel and twisted it like it was nothing. Now, I didn't get the North Sea experience. (laughs) I didn't get that. But when I was sailing with them in the Mediterranean and in the Atlantic, I did see some of that. And we were 50 feet off the deck, 50 feet high, off the surface of the water. And yes, you're going into the trough of a wave, so that does a little bit to the math and the angle. But waves would hit that glass. It was just a big wall of windows as you look out you know, over the, over the ocean and, and the sea, and a wave would hit that glass. Now, that's pretty intimidating. When you're 150 feet back and 50 feet high and a wave hits you at eye level, that's pretty intimidating. I've been on a sailboat. I love to sail, and I've been on a sailboat. Years ago, I was thinking of a story this morning. I was with Melinda and just the two of us. Before we had kids, it was just the two of us sailing. And we were out in the Chesapeake Bay. It was a beautiful day. And we're sailing along, and all of a sudden, a squall. Maybe I should have used this language, a great windstorm. All of a sudden, you just didn't see it coming. In, the, in that area, actually up in the New England area, they called it a nor'easter. 
but this squall just came through, almost like it just got picked up and dropped on you. Rain, wind, and we're bailing water. I've got a little, that wasn't a 450-foot boat. That one was 21 feet. I'm in this 21-foot sailboat with Melinda, who is a lovely person, but not a sailor. Okay, so it's all on me, friends. Uh, she doesn't know anything except just this is a lot of fun. And then all of a sudden it wasn't fun. And so I'm like, bail, girl, bail. And so we are like trying to get water out of the cockpit of the sailboat. We are taking on water. And it's not that deep. The side walls are only three feet off the deck. And we're taking on water. And, we're taking, and I'm focused on that, just like these guys. It said the boat was already filling. I know exactly what that feels like. And there's no let up in sight. And you're way out there sailing. You can see the land, but you know you're not going to make it. You're not going to get there. And you're not sailing right now. And we are bailing. We're sweating and hollering and bailing. And Jesus was said a few times. And then what happens is you don't pay attention because you're not sailing. And I don't know that this would happen to these guys, but we had a, it was a sailboat. And so you've got the sail out on the side, and all of a sudden, you lose your heading, and it's called an, an, an accidental jibe. And that's when the stern of the boat goes into the wind, and you don't even see it coming. All of a sudden, the mast goes from here. You know that the mast is this part. You know what this part's called? The boom. You know why? <laughs> that's right, boom. Because it like swings across, and it'll knock you out, it'll kill you. It'll, it comes from one side to the other, swings by so fast, and literally it, it just shaved the, my back. I was bailing, and that thing did an accidental jive, and that boom came across my back and just barely nicked it. If I'd have been standing up, boom, thank you so much. <laughs> I know what this is like to be in this space. And I was in the Navy, and I was a sailor. And you get in this space and you realize that whatever skills you think you have when it comes to mama nature, you are coming up short. And the fear and the realization that I know what needs to be done, but it's just me here. Yeah, frenzied. Can you feel that anxiety? Can you feel the frenzy? So they go to get Jesus, and he's snoozing. He's sleeping. Pillow. All bunked up. They're like, teacher, come on, don't you care that we're perishing? He gets up, and immediately. And immediately is a word and a concept that happens over 40 times in the book of Mark. When Jesus shows up and he just does it, there's no warm-up. He just, he just steps up to the bow of the boat. And I don't know what we think, like the boat all of a sudden got calm while he walked up there. <laughs> that boat was this and everything else, and I don't know what he was holding on to or anything, but he stepped up and he said, peace, be still. And instantly, immediately it happens. Immediately it happens. Instantaneous calm. In that same area when we lived in New England, our boat, we didn't have enough money to have, a, have, have it at a dock. Uh, a, a pier, so we had it moored. So you'd have to row out or swim out to it or whatever, get the boat. And we'd be out in that area, and one day two seasoned, experienced, professional sailors died. Just like in the situation I was in. Same water. Died. The next day, that water was like glass. Sunny, 
shimmering. It was the most amazing thing. Like one day that water could kill you, and today it's just like glass, and that's what they experienced. In the night, and even the terror of the night, to not even know and see, and you can't even see what's about to hit you. And then all of a sudden, calm. It's amazing. Some would call it a miracle, right? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. As I said, this particular miracle gives us so much application. So much application. Did anybody notice in the reading that it said there were other boats with them? It actually says in verse 36 there were other little boats with them. Other little boats. See, there were a lot of boats out there. Not just the one they were in. Not just the one Jesus was in physically. But that says, other little boats were also with with Him. Other little boats were making that journey. I find that fascinating. Every boat experienced that miracle. Do you think the water just calmed for the boat He was in? No. We don't even know how many boats. Every boat experienced that miracle. Now, that's pretty cool, and you know, we can do the benediction and you know, the final song and let's all stand. However, everything is going along fine, <laughs> and then we get to verse 40. Like, peace be still, right? Fantastic. Wind ceased, great calm, and verse 40 comes up with the first word of, but. <laughs> but Jesus says to them, And then they get this chiding. Like he does this miracle and then they get schooled. They get this this voice of chiding to them. He says, why are you so fearful? How is it, can can you see Jesus? You don't have to raise your hand. Has anyone been on the receiving end of this question from Jesus? How is it that you have no faith? We are not in chapter 1. We are in chapter 4. How is it that you have no faith? The message says it this way. Why are you such a coward? These guys were like high-fiving and like, go Jesus, go Jesus, that whole thing. And then all of a sudden, he turns and he's like, what is it with you guys? How is it that you have no faith? And it begs the question, with Jesus in your boat, when Jesus is in your vessel, what did they think was going to happen? Waves, water, winds, boat filling, but Jesus is there. It really begs the question, what did they think was going to happen to them? Did they think Jesus would die? Did they do the math real quick on that and go, oh, this is, this is not good? I wonder if for those guys that were the pro fishermen on the water made their living, sometimes when it's our expertise and we run out of answers, our faith is nothing. Because we can't figure it out. So nobody else can figure it out. Jesus is on the boat. 
Did they think that possibly he'd met his match? Is that the deal? I mean, I'm honestly, honestly asking. I'm not even trying to be facetious or snarky. Like, what in the world were they thinking would happen if Jesus was there? They're all going down? Did I tell you the application of this is really good? Did I tell you that when we started? One of the things that I think we need to consider is that this, in the book of Mark anyway, chapter 4, this is the first miracle. This is the first miracle that Jesus performed for them. we got several miracles. We've been teaching on them for several weeks, right? we got a withered hand that was healed. we got uh, a leprosy that was healed. Sin was forgiven. The guy that was dropped through the roof, right? In one passage, it just said he healed all the people in the town. Peter's mother-in-law was healed. That's about as close as it got. But this, this is the first miracle that Jesus performed for them. And it makes me pause and think. I can read about miracles for other people and go Jesus. I can hear about miracles for you and like, good job, praise the Lord for that. But when it gets here, how is it that I have no faith? How is it, he says, that you have no faith? How can I be fearful of all the journeying, all the things I've seen, all that God has handed to me? How is it for even a moment that I could think he can't handle my thing? Now listen, if we're handing out quizzes and it's you know true, false, and questions, can Jesus do anything? Most of us are going to get that correct. Most of us almost regardless of our religious background, are going to check the true box. Jesus can do anything. I believe that. True. And we pass that part of the quiz. And yet when it comes to, may I say, our vessel, I don't know, maybe we just forget. Maybe we just forget. My question for you would be this. Does anybody want Jesus to be with you? Some people in this room, probably most of the people in this room would say, Jesus is with me. I, I hear you. But for those folks that like, you know what? I'm just kicking the tires. I'm not sure I know how to spell Jesus. Like I'm just showed, I've just come around this thing. Jesus can be with you. In John chapter 14 couple verses there not only can he be with you but he will be in you jesus is talking he said i'm going to bring something to you it's the spirit of truth do we know who is the way the truth and the life jesus is the way jesus is the truth jesus is the life that's what he said this spirit of truth is a spirit of christ a spirit of jesus he said, this spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful that you've got a vessel and he's in it, if that's you? But if it's not you, it can be. 
today, like right now, can be. He dwells with you and will be in you. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So we can be in this place where we realize, I don't know if I have Jesus in my vessel, but you can Because it's His promise, and it's His idea, and it's what He wants. He wants to journey with us. He just doesn't get quite as ramped up as we do. He's sleeping during our crisis, and we're sleeping during His mission. That's the story. Our crisis, the boat, the wind, the wave, He's sound asleep. He sleeps during our crisis. But when he's on mission, Garden of Gethsemane, ripping at the earth, sweating blood, we're snoozing. We have that backwards. We have that wrong. We sleep during his mission. He sleeps during our crisis. He is with us. And in the crisis that we have, and in the struggle that we have, There is something grounding in the faith of Jesus Christ being with us. This story comes to me. It's not in my notes. This story comes to me, and you'll just have to take my my word for it here. Years ago, I worked in St. Louis at a parachurch ministry, international ministry. I worked on the third floor of the building, and off the elevator, one side was church planting in the United States, and the other side was church planting overseas. And so as you got off the elevator, there was a receptionist desk right there. And there was a woman who was a retired missionary that sat right there. And I would see her every morning. Every morning I would come in, I would see her. Sometimes I'd come over and talk with her. And after weeks of this, sitting with her talking, little things come out, right? That was kind of our water cooler, right? I'd walk up to the counter, and it was early in the morning, and we'd sit and talk. She told me of her missionary journeys in Africa before there were cell phones, before there was internet. Really, nobody had computers. We're talking old school. And that's 70s, 70s and 80s, but that's when she was over there. She lost a child, sickness, malaria, all these classic things that happened to her. While she was there, stories that made your heart move, stories that you were like, sis, you sacrificed so much. Thank you. And one day I was hearing one of those stories, and she was giving me the compilation of the struggle and the loss, and it struck me, and I looked at her, and I saw her eyes. And the language that I used is that her eyes were clear, they weren't dark. They weren't heavy. They weren't even lined. And she was a retired missionary with decades in difficult Africa. But Jesus was her grace. And Jesus was her peace. And she didn't wear the weathered look that many wear that walk without Jesus. And many of us understand that personally. That we, have, we, we experience things without him, and it wears on us, and it weathers us. But the beauty that he is not only with us, but in us, is that it literally changes how we look. It literally keeps us. Is there a hard time? Yes, there's a hard time. Will there be a storm? Absolutely. You can count on it. You can count on trial. Count it all joy when you fall into trial and tribulation. 
You can count on it happening. But you know what else we can count on? Yes, I know Jesus. Yes, I know Jesus. Yes, I know Jesus for myself. Woke me up this morning. Started me on my way. Guides me on my journey. Keeps me day by day. Yes, I know Jesus, right? Yes, I know. You got that going. It's in there. He's with us. You can have that today. You can have that today. See, there are two great applications here. The great miracle isn't just the calming of the storm. It's the truth that he can be in your vessel during the storm. I mean, this is, a, this is a fantastic. Those guys were speechless. They were afraid of the storm, and when Jesus made peace and everything like that, they were more afraid of him. They were just afraid all day. <laughs> they just went from afraid to afraid. They were afraid of the storm, and then it's like they feared, oh my gosh, who is this guy? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Amazing. The great miracle isn't just the calming of the storm. It's the truth that he can be in your vessel. And if you've never had this, I always liken it to the first three steps of the 12 steps. Because I was teaching a class one day, and I always felt so weird about salvation prayer and repeat after me. I just, I, I just, it just felt odd for me. It just felt awkward. I never, I never found my own rhythm. I didn't have my own language. It just, it just felt like I was just kind of wearing someone else's jacket, trying to do something. And then I saw these steps, and they're very simply this. I admit that I'm broken. That's step one. I come to believe there's a power greater than myself. That's step two. And then I make a decision to surrender my will. And I was in that class one day, and the, 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 there's a banner in the back that has all the 12 steps. And one day I was just like, oh, angel. Like I just, I saw it. And I'm like, that's it. That's salvation. That really is salvation. I am a hot mess. And there's someone that can help me, and we call him Jesus. And all I have to do is say yes. And salvation happens. For some of us, salvation is too easy, and I get it. It's just too easy. And for those folks, I say, if salvation is too easy for you, discipleship will cost you everything. So <laughs> it evens out. But salvation, so simple. Those three steps. Would you like Jesus in your vessel? Would you like him to leave with you today? I don't understand the physiology of it. Corinthians says that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So I have a spirit and a soul and a body, and he's that spirit, and maybe it's apples to apples, because when I die, the spirit of life that I have goes back to the Father from whence it came. I don't know. But he's with me, mostly because he said he's with me. He'll be with me. He'll be in me. He can walk with every one of us. Do you realize, every single person in here, you can walk out this door with Jesus in your vessel. In your vessel with you. I've got a storm. I get it. Jesus is in the vessel. But the real question here is, well, because I don't want to leave anybody out today because we want application for everyone. How many have Jesus but would like to start living like you do? 
How many of us have Jesus? But maybe, we, well, we just don't always live like we do. And I'm not even talking about sinning. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just the awareness that he said he's with me and he's with me. I think most of us, when we're sinning, we, we forget. Because usually when I'm with people, they don't look at porn on their phone. I don't know if I've had anybody sit with me in my office and look at porn on their phone. They're like, hey, wait one second, let me just check something out. No, that just never happens. I'm going to rent myself out for people. They're like, I drink every time I go with my family. I'm like, $39.95, I'm your guy. I'll go with you. Because when I'm with you, you're not drinking. I can promise you that. With me being there. It would be true if you were with them. But Jesus is with us. And sometimes we must, I don't know what, I don't know what other column to put it in. We just must forget that he's actually with us. Keeping us. Power overcoming, but also his presence of safety and security. His nearness that I don't have to fear. Can you throw up verse 38? Because I'm going to ask you this. After all, what was the real accusation? What was the real accusation here? You don't care. The real accusation didn't have much to do with his ability to calm a storm. The real accusation had something to do with you don't care about us? Aren't you thankful that these bozos aren't anything like us and we're nothing like them? I've been a follower of Jesus a long time. I've been a pastor a long time. This is the application. It lifts for us. It's the chiding that he gives us, not because he hates us. What's the scripture say? Whom the Lord loveth. Yeah, he loves us. He does this stuff for us to realign us and recalibrate us because he loves us. And you don't have to have shame today. You can just simply acknowledge. You can just simply acknowledge. Okay, 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 I got a little bit off. You are in my vessel. And I know you care about me. And I'm going to lean into you. How many of you today, if that had been you, and it's your 30-foot sailboat, and you go down there and Jesus is on a pillow, how many of you open up the drawer, grab a pillow, and lay next to him? Come on. Wouldn't that be the thing to do? When you look at Jesus in all the chaos and you see what he's doing, aren't we following him? Right? I'm like, oh, you're sleeping. Wow, I had this all wrong. Scoot over. Not really kidding. If this is how you're going to walk through this situation, I'd like to be right next to you. When we struggle, the question is, are we struggling with the presenting problem or how we could even have such a problem in the first place if Jesus is with us? See, sometimes we struggle with the problem or we could just be struggling with, I'm not even having a problem. I thought you were here. He is. He is. The action is he's sleeping. 
The motive is he doesn't care. The action, we look at Jesus in the action, he's sleeping. What we project in motive, what these guys projected in motive, is because he's sleeping, he doesn't care. One of the best mantras you can ever have if you're going to deal with people is judge action, not motive. Judge action, not motive. He's sleeping. That doesn't mean he doesn't care. In fact, playing it out, he's like, okay, fine, peace be still. What is wrong with you guys? What is wrong with you guys? What did you think was going to happen? What happened? Let me, let me ad-lib here, a little editorial. What happened in step one, two, and three? What happened in your salvation step one, two, and three? Step one, you're a mess. Step two, I'm your savior. But what about step three? Or is somebody hearing me here today? Is somebody listening? Step three. What about step three? What about that I make a decision to surrender my will and life to you? What about that? Because everybody else that has him, everybody else that came in this building this morning and he was already in your vessel, but if there's any time ever that he could have looked at us and said, what is your problem? Like, how do you not have faith here? If that's ever hit us, and it certainly hit me, so I'm going to just figure it's hit many of us, it's just step three every day. It's just surrender every day. <laughs> I surrender to you again because I still need you. Hey, you know what's true? My life's a lot better than it used to be. My life's a lot better than it used to be. I don't do as many stupid things. I'm not nearly as self-destructive. I have a far better life living for Jesus 33 years later. And I still need him. Let us not forget it. This afternoon, this evening, when I go to bed, when my eyes open tomorrow, and all through the night while I'm sleeping. That die daily bit is what we need to embrace today. That's step three for all of us. Our surrender. You with me? You want to step into that space? Of surrender. Again and afresh. And if Jesus is not a thing that you've ever embraced, if you've got a boat and he's not in it, it's super easy. It's almost too easy. You don't even have to think, like, whatever. Here, that's who you, here's where I am. I'd love for you to be in my boat, Jesus. Because a lot of us don't think we have as much wrong with us as we do. <laughs> and then he gets in our boat and he helps us, doesn't he? He gets in our boat, we get close to him and he purifies us. We get close to him, he teaches us how to love better. We get close to him and we get full not just life, but life to the full. We, we get to experience that. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me today. I'm done preaching. I'm the closer. Boom. Here I am. Now I'm the closer. In our, in our prayer this morning, shame is never helpful. Shame is never redemptive. And it won't be the person that's never known him that's feeling shame right now, it'll be the person that's walked with him for decades and is like, oh my God, I don't trust. I get it. I get it. Shame is not here. We're not doing shame. What we're doing is recognition, which is all he was saying. Fellas, what is the story here? And we're going to say, okay, Lord, when what is repentance? Because that's what we're all doing. It is turning. I'm going to turn back to you. We're going to acknowledge what you're saying. Okay, I got it. And I'm going to turn back to you. So Jesus, pray with me, would you, all over this place. Jesus, 
If you never identified yourself as a believer and you're hanging around, you can leave this room with Jesus in your, in your vessel. I acknowledge where I am. I acknowledge I need you. Yes, Lord, come into my life. Come into my boat. Come into my vessel. Come into my heart. Whatever your language needs to be, I think it fits, and he hears it. And then for the rest of us that walked in this church and have walked in this church every day for the last many years, every Sunday for, for, for years, we all need to do that same thing. I'm going to make a decision again right now, Lord, to recognize I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to do penance. I'm not going to flog myself. I'm just going to say I want you all new. I make a decision to surrender myself to you today. Can you feel that? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the awareness. Thank you, Jesus, for the clarity. Thank you, Jesus, for lifting the doubt, for lifting the fear, for lifting the darkness and helping me see you in my boat, helping me see that you are not only with me, but you are in me. You will not leave me orphaned. You did not leave me orphaned. You come to me. You never leave. You never forsake. And for the times that I had my eyes on the storm, and maybe for the times that I thought you didn't care, sorry for that. Sorry for that. I've told Jesus for years, it's not a cop-out, it's the truth. When he and I talk, and I do really dumb things, and like take dumb to a whole nother level of self-focus, I look to him and I'm like, you, you saved me, remember that? You called me, remember that? You knew what you were getting. I'll tell him, Melinda didn't know what she was getting. But you, you knew what you were getting. You know my mess-ups. You know my shortfalls. You know my hurdles. You know where I get in my own way. You knew all that. I'm sorry. I'm not making an excuse. But I don't have to dwell on it and beat myself up. You knew exactly what you were getting. So thank you for calling me. Thank you for filling me. And I'm going to walk with you now again. With a pure heart and clean hands. I'm going to walk with you. Join me in that walk this morning. Jesus, let it be so. For all of us here in this place, that whatever we're facing, whatever the turmoil and trial and storm, and whether it's a beautiful day today and a squall is coming up or a nor'easter is going to hit us later, we can rest in you. We can rest in you. You don't have to chide us because we're going to sleep right with you. We're going to rest right with you. We're going to have faith right with you. You're doing great. I can, I can see you praying. I can feel your prayer. Just let that connect and wash away doubt and wash away fear and allow the presence of the Lord to touch you.